the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Great to be with you today, as always. And our telephone number, of course, 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to text in, please. And, of course, a couple of ways to get in touch with yours truly via email as well. One, log on to 710knus.com, go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page, or, of course, there's my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. And there's also the social media, by the way. I should say that more often, shouldn't I? On the platform called X, formerly known as Twitter, it's at Sang Center. That's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. Sang Center was actually the name of my Regis University radio show way back when. And I've kept that handle on Twitter X ever since I joined in 08 or 09. And there's Facebook, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro, or just search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality on Twitter. Excuse me, on Facebook. I'm getting all these things jumbled and mixed up. Good to be with you regardless. And we've got lots to discuss. We will have in studio an exclusive hour, full hour, going through a lot with Mike Peterson the now former president of the Douglas County School Board, who had resigned effective yesterday from the board. He's no longer on the board, not just no longer president. And there's much to discuss, including this election cycle and what really went down in Douglas County over this cycle. There's some interesting tidbits there we will dive into with Mike Peterson. Lots to discuss. I do want to say right out the gate that, and he'll explain his reasons, where he's moving to and so forth, but I think it is a loss to Douglas County. He's a strategic thinker. He has been effective as president of the school board, and it's it's a, too bad to see him go after doing the kind of job that he has done in Douglas County on the whole, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but a good job on the whole, nonetheless. But in his, it wasn't really a farewell speech. They didn't give him a farewell speech opportunity. But he took a good 10 minutes during the time of describing who should be the next school board president, not who, but what kind of person should be the next school board president. Uh, And he didn't mince words all too much 
at some points in that little 10-minute address. Here's a little sample. And we cannot have discord, division, slander. We cannot have people calling for unity in public and then undermining things in the past. I am not allowed to speak about any negatively about any of my board members, but when I went out there and I announced my resignation in private to the board members via an official memo and transparency, I could have done what the last board member did that resigned. I could have just showed up and announced it in the middle of a board member meeting, got up and walked out and said, I'm done. Think about the state that we would be in right now. Instead of electing a president, it would be absolutely chaos in this district. So we need someone who's willing to ride it through and ensure, first and foremost, stability and continuity for our staff. Mike Peterson joining us in the next hour here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Also today, this is interesting. So yesterday, in a very controversial vote, but one that was fairly decisive, 311 to 114, the U.S. House of Representatives expelled George Santos You know, he's one of the greatest harmonica players ever to live. At least that's what I think I might have heard him mention one time. I think he's also an actor in Hollywood. Uh, George Santos, a a congressman who played bass for the Rolling Stones. And nobody knows really who this guy is because he kept fabricating his identity in every which way. And what's striking, too, is he took office. They found this out. And the Republicans, who should have screened him out if they could have beforehand, The Republicans called on him to resign, and he didn't resign. He refused, and now he's been expelled. Well, what about Senator Bob Menendez of my old state of New Jersey? Lived there when I was uh, age 6 to 10 or thereabouts. And, well, Menendez recently pleaded not guilty to serious federal crimes. And John Fetterman, the junior senator of the neighboring state of Pennsylvania, yesterday on The View, had some surprising, shocking, very strong words about Bob Menendez. Again, this is John, let me wear a hoodie and shorts on the floor of the Senate Fetterman. Well, it's like uh, I'm not surprised, but but to me, I think the the more important picture is is that we have a colleague in, in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And you know, Santos's kind of lies were almost you know funny and like you know he. You know, landed on the the moon and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas, whereas, you know, I, you know, I think you know Menendez. I think is really a senator for Egypt. You know, not New Jersey. Uh, Boom. So I, I I I really think he needs to go. And uh, especially, it's kind of strange that if Santos uh, is not allowed to remain in the House, you know, someone like that. Are you, though, uncomfortable with the fact that there hasn't been an adjudication that while he's been charged, there hasn't been a conviction? Menendez. With Menendez. Uh, I, I, I am. I, I am. And it's like he has the right uh, to, for his, his day in court and all that. But he doesn't have the right to to have those kind of votes and things that uh, yeah. that's not that's not a right. And, and I think uh, we need to make that kind of decision to uh, 
send him out. Wow. That is a now prominent Democrat, John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, the neighboring state to New Jersey, saying, quote, Menendez is really a senator for Egypt rather than New Jersey. Those are very strong words from the Democrat senator from the neighboring state. Now, George Santos, I don't know. I I struggle with this one because it's so obvious that the guy is... He, he, he made up his background out of whole cloth, deceived the voters in a way that goes beyond what even most politicians do. Now, there are a lot of politicians who deceive people. They make some aspects up of their background or they what they often do is they will overemphasize or overhighlight certain things about their background. So that they are bigger than they actually were, some particular line item on the resume. They'll do that. But but the last time I saw somebody who fabricated their background like this was Dan Mays, the Republican nominee for governor in 2010. And that's a name we rarely say these days, and thank goodness. But this, this is, is the conundrum, because you also set a precedent. Santos was not convicted. He has not been convicted, rather, of anything. He's the subject of a 23-count federal indictment. The Ethics Committee, I believe, is the body in the House that found him to have done a number of things. And brought forward this proposal for expulsion of folks in there. And here you had it. 311 lawmakers voted in favor of expulsion, including 105 Republicans and 114 members were against this vote. Because in large part of the precedent, you're not convicted This goes to things you've said in the background, deceptions of politicians. We know how common that is. And they're like, look, you're setting a precedent, and this is dangerous for the rest of us. So I don't know how one should come down on this question because I'm always one for being cautious about setting a new groundbreaking precedent. And it has been decades since someone was expelled from the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, we do have an allegory of in Colorado of an expulsion that happened several years back. I can't remember how far back. State Senator Steve Lebsock, a state House representative, Steve Lebsock, a Democrat, was expelled by the state House after allegations of sexual misconduct. And the thing that he did, the day of the expulsion, while he was on the floor, sitting on the floor of the state house, he switched to being a Republican so that Republicans could appoint his replacement, which ended up being 
friend of mine, Skinny Winkler, who filled out the rest of that term and then unfortunately lost in the general election the subsequent year. But we had an expulsion in the Colorado House. That was a big deal when it happened. Here we are now. The U.S. House has an expulsion. The question, will the U.S. Senate do the same for Bob Menendez? Should they do the same for Bob Menendez if he is not has not been convicted. Now, I am doubtful about the Senate actually doing this. At least I was until I saw the clip of Fetterman on The View saying those words, including Menendez is really a senator for Egypt rather than New Jersey, and he said basically that we need to consider the prospect of throwing him out. But the Senate is this, they certainly have a high and mighty view of themselves as the upper chamber of the United States Congress. So if they expel a U.S. senator, especially without a conviction, then the consequences of that are dramatic because it will really set a precedent. I don't know the history of expulsion in the U.S. Senate, but it's certainly even fewer than the House, and the House hasn't had very many. So the consequences of that are probably what would stop the Senate from saying, let's go ahead and do this. There are only 100 members of the Senate. And you set that precedent, and it's there to stay. The House sets a precedent, okay, that is a big deal, but it's not necessarily quite as big of a deal for the chamber, the lower chamber, with 435 members, as opposed to the Senate, with 100 members, two from each state. And the interpersonal dynamics are a lot different. There are a lot of things that are different about the Senate and the House that I think make it less likely for Menendez to be expelled, but... Is it the case that what's good for the goose is good for the gander? Whether you're a representative in Congress or you are a senator, you should be now subject to expulsion for flagrant, massive issues of of ethics or illegality. It is the case that Menendez, what he is alleged to have done, is worse than what George Santos is alleged to have done because of the entanglements with Egypt and the numerous issues that come along with that. And if Santos is out for something less significant than that, what does that mean? But Fetterman pointing out, if you're going to expel Santos, how can you allow somebody like Menendez to remain? 303-696-1971. George Santos, Bob Menendez, should either or both of them be expelled? Should neither of them be expelled or have been expelled in the case of Santos from the United States Congress? Give us a call if you have some thoughts on that question. Listener text coming in. Come on. Al Gore invented the Internet. Didn't you know that's true? Didn't you know that he invented the Internet?
So they say. Right. So they say. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. We are just getting started. Lots to come up on the program, including your calls, 303-696-1971. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to News Talk 710-KNUS. Ah, sometimes you gotta let the mighty fine slow blues tune breathe just a little bit. It's Can't Heat with their version of the tune Christmas Blues. And let me tell you, I love the harmonica here. Love everything about this tune. You gotta have some blues for Christmas. By the way, if you want to know some of the bluesified Christmas bumpers that we bring you here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show with the best damn Christmas bumper music known to man, log on to jimmysangenberger.com, all these all the time, slash... Bluesified Christmas. And you can check out curated selection of Christmas blues bumpers and enjoy them yourself. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS, your home for the blues and politics saying style. That was my moniker. I mentioned earlier at Sang Center is my handle on X, formerly Twitter. And my radio show at Regis was Sang Center. That was the name of it. And the moniker was Blues and Politics Sang Style on KRCX 93.9, The Real Deal. Going down memory lane, and I don't know quite why this morning. Maybe it's because I mentioned Bob Menendez in New Jersey and that I was there as a kid for five years. That's where my sister was born, in fact, is in New Jersey. That was midway on our way from Albany, New York, in that area, to Colorado. There was a five-year stint in Jersey. And we had John Fetterman, the senator from neighboring Pennsylvania, who has put out there the prospect of, you know, maybe we need to expel Bob Menendez for being the senator for Egypt after George Santos was expelled from the House yesterday for essentially being a serial liar, making stuff up about his background. Here is Fetterman. Well, it's like uh, I'm not surprised. But but to me, I think the, the more important picture is, is that we have a colleague in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And, you know, Santos's kind of lies were almost, you know, funny. And, like, you know, he, you know, landed on the moon and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas... <laughs> Whereas, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Menendez, I think, is really a senator for Egypt, you know, not New Jersey. Uh, so I, I, I really think he needs to go. And uh, especially it's kind of strange that if Santos uh, is not allowed to remain in the House, you know, someone like that. Yeah. Are you, though, uncomfortable with the fact that there hasn't been an adjudication, that while he's been charged, there hasn't been a conviction? Menendez. With Menendez. 
I, I, I am. I, I am. And it's like he has the right uh, to, for his, his day in court and all that. But he doesn't have the right to, to have those kind of votes and things that yeah. uh, that's not that's not a right. And, and I think uh, we need to make that kind of decision to uh, send him out. Stop the count. John Fetterman making some salient points here right now. That was on The View yesterday. And the other thing that he's been right on with is Israel. He has been so strong. He's had protesters in his face, and he has stood his ground in that regard. So there are a few redeeming aspects to John Fetterman, the hoodie and shorts-wearing senator, junior senator from Pennsylvania. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. If you want to chime in on the question of should Menendez now be expelled as well, has the House of Representatives opened the Pandora's box as 114 members, at least most of whom were Republican, expressed concern about with setting this precedent? You can also text into the show on the 710K and US app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to, text in. Ladies and gentlemen, though, I have something to share with you. We might get to this a little bit more later on. Some historic news for Denver and for the state of Colorado, which also helps explain quite a bit. While the soaring cost of living is leaving many Coloradans grappling with all sorts of challenges, housing and financial strain, you name it, there's a lot. Out-of-state millennials are being drawn in droves to the captivating allure of the Rocky Mountains. Folks, at last, my millennial generation is taking over Denver. Nearly 41% of Denver's entire population. You throw in baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, Zoomers, that's Gen Z. The younger kids that are being born and the little ones in the elementary schools. You throw them all in. You throw the elders who are older than baby boomers. And 41% of them are millennials in Denver's population now. This report came out just this past week. Learning from a new report from Smart Asset that one in four millennials nationwide, defined in this case as between ages 25 and 44, ventured to a new city last year. And Denver is the fifth most sought after destination among the 268 municipalities they surveyed. 85,380 millennials chose the Mile High City in 2022. Boulder brought in 10,544, claiming the number 15 spot in the country, interestingly enough. And millennials are now 28% of Boulder's population. Now, millennials have been coming to Colorado quite a bit in recent years, particularly from the West Coast. It's number four. Colorado is number four, rather, according to Scholaru, among the top ten states in the country for millennials. They look at quality of life as number one, 
employment is number three, health number 17, political and social environment number 17, and personal finance number 18. All contributed to the positive metrics. Now, it's not all colorful in Colorado, though. Deteriorating affordability and safety, number 33 and number 44, respectively, are casting sobering shadows here on the data. But, of course, that's no surprise for Coloradans struggling to find affordable housing or threatened with skyrocketing crime. The cost of living in Denver area has indeed skyrocketed. We hit, remember, in the summer, the highest inflation rate in the country. And, of course, we have property tax bills set to surge by 40% or more this coming year. But here's the thing. When you have these millennials that are flocking to Colorado to build a life and raise a family, hopefully raise a family, although birth rates have declined, they're bringing more challenges for those of us who are existing residents. Of course, you see the greater traffic congestion. Oh, my gosh. I-25. Heading back home after I just do the three to four slot, which I'll be doing again this coming week. You're dealing with rush hour traffic and it's it's often just a pain and slow just going across 225 and a little bit of I-25. You'll inevitably have more car accidents. You've got these newcomers trying to navigate the snowy winter roads. How in the world? I've heard of companies now that are literally doing lunch and learns for how to drive in Colorado snow. (laughs) I mean, good for them for doing that. You want to make sure your employees get there safely. And a hell of a lot of people have no idea how in the world to drive in Colorado when they are indeed no newcomers. Then you've also got this concept of gentrification. That's building momentum. Where you have areas, you go to like, I think, what, Five Points, the Rhino area. They they used to be lower-income communities. Some might avoid certain locales saying, oh, my gosh, this is a rundown area. Gentrification is when they come in and they redevelop and it gets all fancy. And the millennials swarm in because it's nice, it's hip, it's cool, it's swanky, it's the place they want to go. So gentrification is going to gain momentum, and property values will continue to soar. Denver's real estate market is is slowing. We've been seeing these higher mortgage rates that are pricing people out of home buying. And so as you have more out-of-state millennials coming in, competing for a dwindling supply of available houses and apartments, that will help to boost prices, making it harder to maintain or find housing. Also, uh, Colorado is a safe haven. This is why people are coming here. Colorado is still a, a safe haven from high tax, higher cost states. Now, yeah, inflation has been bad, particularly bad here, but we're still less expensive to live than California. Still lower, substantially lower taxes. California. So they're coming here. And in fact, according to a report from Upgraded Points, wealthier millennials earning 200K or above are coming here in large swaths. Last year alone, 10,860 millennials 
earning $200,000 and above venture to Colorado. Now, on the other hand, you had 7000 in change fleeing the state. Of course, they want refuge from all the mounting crime and costs of living. But you still saw a net gain of 1.9%. But it's simultaneously squeezing residents who already call this state home. So I'm wondering, will they stay? And also, will they have babies? That's a big question and another issue we could get into. And there needs to be an incentive for younger adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s to replenish the dynamism of Colorado with incentives to have more babies, meaning you need a thriving economy. Keep Tabor, for example. Now, here's the other thing I really wanted to get to, and we'll get on this more later on, perhaps. The influx of millennials helps explain the phenomenon of Colorado going from a purple state to a blue state. American millennials, shocker, tend to be left-leaning, or at least are notoriously known for being left-leaning. Many of us came of age during the Obama years, and unfortunately, that meant a lot of them were left-leaning. The poster child of this, of course, is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And a significant percentage of these millennials have come from liberal states. But you know what? I submit to you that there is cause for optimism because the longer run politics may not stay this way. As the New York Times reported several months back, the millennials are moving politically rightward, particularly older ones. Quote, this shift toward the right. Among the young voters who propelled Mr. Obama to victory 15 years ago is part of a larger pattern. Over the last decade, almost every cohort of voters under 50 has shifted toward the right. Based on an analysis of thousands of survey interviews archived at the Roper Center. Let that sink in for a moment. We talked about it at the time when this Times piece went out. So the way I look at it, as millennials age and increasingly dominate the demographics here, we might see the Dems increasingly find themselves in a tighter spot as Republicans regain regain ground. Now, I don't think this is overnight, that this will be in the next two or three years. I'm talking a little bit longer term, which could mean good things for Colorado's future. I mean, we see... How voters resoundingly rebuked Democrat schemes to override Tabor. Of course, they overrode that in the legislature, at least for this coming year. But we still saw voters take that vantage point, that position. Then newcomers from California and elsewhere, of course, they're going to love Colorado's novel idea. That we get to decide whether it's a tax increase or no tax increase that happens. Now, Colorado's Republican Party has a brand that's in tatters because of Trump. Let's just be real here. And also, as we talked about last weekend, Colorado's self-defeating GOP foibles. And, And millennials, of course, generally socially liberal. But we saw Tabor defended at the ballot box by 20 percentage points. 
showing strong support for limits on government spending and growth against Prop HH. There seems to be more of an openness to center-right ideas. So as I write yesterday in the Denver Gazette, at last millennials are taking over Denver, let's be honest, the ever-increasing share of millennial residents means better electoral prospects for Democrats in the short run, but it foretells a more purple state in the future. And of course, the ascent of the millennial generation is finally here, marked by a rising proportion of the state's population and an increasing influence in its political landscape. By the way, in that regard, just before we go to a break, not only am I a millennial, but the chairs of both the Colorado Republican Party and the Democrat Party are millennials. Lauren Boebert is a millennial. Joe Neguse is a millennial. Jenna Griswold is a millennial. Jeff Hunt is a millennial. He's on the higher end of millennial, but he's a millennial. John Kellner, the 18th district attorney, is a millennial. Congresswoman Brittany Pedersen, also a millennial. So you have some, some good examples of millennials. Michael Fields among them. Christy Burton Brown. And you have not so good examples. But they're rising. This generation is rising. And as the trend continues, the trends that I discussed, millennial momentum will build and their pivotal role will shape Colorado's dynamic future. Check out my column yesterday in the Denver Gazette where we go through a lot of these things. At last, millennials are taking over Denver. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Actually, be encouraged. In the longer run, I think there's reason for that. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Gotta love it. Clarence Carter with his tune, Backdoor Santa, rounding out the first hour as we come back on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, your home for somehow miraculously energetic talk in the 6 a.m. hour. News Talk 710-KNUS. As we wrap up and wind down this hour, and at the top of the hour, he's in studio, we will spend time with... Mike Peterson, the now former president of the Douglas County School Board, who resigned on Thursday, effective yesterday. Therefore, he is no longer on the Board of Education. Uh, In my view, as I said before, uh, that is an unfortunate loss to Douglas County and to Douglas County Schools. Quite the opposite of the loss of the now former duly elected vice president of the Denver Public Schools Board of Education, the Honorable, as he keeps reminding us with all his imagery and signs and everything, the Honorable Ayante Anderson. You know, the guy who, yeah, I've covered quite a bit, and uh, he acknowledged this way back in 2020. Love your weekly articles about me. And at his last board meeting a couple of weeks ago, I have been able to travel across America Yes, Jimmy, across America, sharing the great work that have that we have been doing <laughs> that we have been doing. Yeah. Well, guess what? Uh, Tay is off the board. Of course, he's running for the state house. We'll see what happens there. But DPS, the poor guy is no longer slaving up I'm in DPS. 
They say they want some drastic changes here, but all I see is folks not helping all our kids when they can hardly read. And somehow I get all the blame, and that's what bothers me. Spending 250k on technology. They could have focused on some other stuff and not on Budget broke from all the innocent. You may be missing what I'm saying. Like a gamber son. Little something through it, but he keeps sleeping on. We need some shit that everybody keeps sleeping on. I miss you, Stefan. Homie. Homie. Who said you can't play harmonica to rap? He's no longer slaving up in DPS. Let's be joyful for that. Bye-bye, Tay Anderson. Mike Peterson up next in studio. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.